Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Corporate Activist Podcast. One of the topics that I've really wanted to address is how younger people, those in their 20s and 30s, sometimes known as millennials and Gen Z, think about companies engaging on political and social issues. So for this episode, we have three guests representing those age groups, and we'll dive into the topic, looking at how these issues impact their buying decisions and employment decisions, and just their general feeling about when businesses engage in social and political issues. So I'm really happy to welcome Will Palmeris, George McSherry, and Alexander Woodhouse. Thank you each for coming. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. (laughs) So I'm going to ask each of them just to introduce themselves. So if you don't mind, please tell us your name, a little bit about where you come from, what you do, and if you can let us know your age category, that would be great too. So Alex, would you like to start? Sure. My name is Alexandra Woodhouse. I am 33 years old and I'm based in New York City. Um, Social justice has always been very near and dear to my heart. Um, My mother is from Afghanistan and my father and mother met in Afghanistan while in the Peace Corps. I bring that up because at a young age, I was told about the injustices that existed in the world and was taught that it was our obligation to fight and protect the most vulnerable. Believe it or not, my growing up, my nickname was Justice Woody. Oh, wow. um, and yeah, which which just goes in line with, with what I decided to do with my career. So after studying at the Industrial and Labor Relations Program at Cornell, where I focused my studies on people and policies in the workplace, I began the early part of my career working at, at notable nonprofits like the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's Research and UNICEF USA. Now I have the privilege to support and lead our ESG marketing projects globally on Dell.com. I'm part of our brand, creative, and experiential marketing team at Dell Technologies. And I'm just so proud to work for a company that understands the critical importance of driving human progress for all. Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, Will, would you like to go next? Yes, yeah, sure. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Wilma Palmaris, or Will. Um, I'm a recent university graduate here in, in the UK. Originally, I, we come, I come from the Philippines and I moved here with my parents when I was around two to three years old. And I've recently just started a graduate analyst program at BlackRock, working on their ETF and index investment uh, platform. Amazing. Fabulous. And uh, Will, what age category are you in? Um, I'm 22, so very fresh-faced baby. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) All right. And George, um, tell us about you. Hey, everybody. My name is uh, George McSherry. Um, I am 26 years old, so like on that Gen Z millennial cusp. Um, In terms of where I'm from, it's a difficult question to answer because I grew up with my parents working in the Foreign Service, um, which is how my mother knows Siri. I currently am a senior at the American University of Paris. I was studying uh, Russian um, interdisciplinary studies at the University of Virginia. I didn't enjoy that too much, so I took some time off to reorganize, and now I'm a global communications major, and uh, I'm loving it. I also run a podcast called Albums Without Borders, which I uh, write, produce, and edit. Um, That's a, a lot of fun. And... Yeah, I'm writing my senior thesis right now because it's my last semester on um, the tripartite relationship between TikTok, uh, the attention economy, and popular music. Uh, so yeah, it's a bit of a, of a task, but it's, it's enjoyable. 
So this is great. I'm really happy to bring you all together. I wanted to have this kind of panel discussion where we could just, you know, talk about these issues and and learn from one another. Um, so I, I'd like to start the conversation just to know a bit more about how aware you are of companies being involved in social and political issues in general. So like, is it on your radar that there are some companies that are speaking out about certain issues, are encouraging their customers to get involved with things or are sharing their messages um, on their packaging, that kind of thing. So just in general, like how aware are you of, of this kind of phenomenon? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, I'm I'm pretty aware of it. It's a more and more important thing every year. Um, and I think particularly to uh, younger consumers, and I don't want to get too deep into it, you know, right away, but I think just generally people are are fed up with with capitalism, right? Mm. And they they want to find some sort of way that they can engage with capitalism because there's no other option ethically. Um, And so that basically puts the burden on these companies to show that they they are they are the ones being ethical. They're the ones, you know, you should come buy our product because when you buy our product, you're not just getting the piece of clothing, but uh, you're also being a good human being. Um, so, you know, I immediately think of um, Patagonia is the first one that comes up in my mind. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're not afraid to piss some people off in the way, which I think is the most interesting thing. It's like, where do you draw the line? Um, right. Who are you willing to piss off in order? Like, does it help your profit? Does it hurt it? Um, but, you know, when you're so obviously aligned with a certain side of uh, the political spectrum, You've got to be disenfranchising some people, right? There's right. got to be some people that I'm not going to buy your product anymore. And I think that they don't care, right? Either they're, they've got that so close to their heart or it actually helps their bottom line. I'm yeah, not sure. Maybe both. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they've yeah. cracked that Ho- code. <laughs> hopefully they actually believe what, what they're saying. But I, I know that it's a trend nowadays to, to just show that you're ethical because it does help your bottom line. Yeah. Alex, what do you think? Is this on your radar? Yeah, absolutely, Siri. I, I mean, I think for me and, and my friends in my age group, you know, under millennial, um, being a responsible business is more than just business operations, right? We know that, you know, companies that are making taking a stand, willing to put their voice out there and make a difference for, for long-term sustainable change and, and societal impact, that matters. You know, that matters to consumers, to their stakeholders, their investors, um, and especially to, to someone like me. You know, I'm looking for brands to to have a voice, to take a stand, um, and to demonstrate, you know, how they're making long-term sustainable change. So it's certainly on my radar. And I, um, you know, I think George gave a, a few different examples of great companies that are, are doing that so well um, in, our, in our economy today. And, you know, you look at those companies and they are taking on political issues that are sometimes difficult to talk about, but they're doing so in such a way that their consumers and, and really their investors understand the need for it. You know, there is such a movement right now uh, to demonstrate that commitment to building purpose. And um, I really, you know, I, I want to see more companies doing that. Um, I think we're on a precipice of that and there is a big movement around it, but we have a long way to go. Yeah. And Will, you're coming at this from um, 
from a little bit the other side of the fence, right? <laughs> <laughs> Working in yeah. finance. Um, exactly. So, what do you what do you think? Is this um, you know, is this something when now I imagine you're hearing ESG uh, <laughs> investing being thrown around a lot. Is it something yeah. that that you and your coworkers are talking about? Yes, it is. Um, I think there's sort of for me there's different answers to this question. I think in terms of brands, in terms of consumption, to be honest, I haven't. It's, it hasn't been on my radar as much recently, but I'm not too sure if, like right now, given where the economy is, if there is still that much activity compared to previous days in the, in this space. But in terms of sort of trying to find a place which aligned with my values and trying to find a place which aligned with sort of the good core interests that I have and that, that I want to see in the world in the next few years, I've, I think that type of stuff is definitely on my radar. And I've tried to gather experience at different companies where I think, okay, they have this stance, they have this, they've shown publicly, you know, their foot in this situation. I always think that it's always good to try and experience, you know, it firsthand and see and go and go past whatever they have on social media and see really are they are they doing things actively and that's my that's my sort of approach to to this so you know i think we are seeing more companies you know have something on their packaging or share something in their social media where they talk about what used to be known as CSR, this was sort of my, more of my generation when we talked about corporate social responsibility. It's really, I think, evolving into something else, which I hope is corporate activism, <laughs> which is the name of the podcast. Um, so just in terms of like yours, you guys as consumers, you know, are you paying attention to this? Is it sort of a an added bonus when you're in a shop and you see one thing that has, you know, we give to the rainforest or you versus something that just doesn't have any anything like that? Or are you paying attention to this when you're actually deciding how you spend your money? Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I feel like I, you, you know, you heard my background. I care so deeply about social justice and the issues of our, our world and our time. Um, making an impact for the world is what matters to me. So I, I certainly want my purchasing power to support those decisions, right? I, as a consumer, I am always looking for brands that are, are building that trust with other consumers, that transparency of what they're doing um, to build to build purpose and to make an impact. And truthfully, if I, you know, knowing that I do have financial power or financial decision to make as a consumer, I'm looking at companies that, that I feel are doing it right and are taking a stand um, to help society and to help to help us all, right? Um, and so some examples of that, I, I mean, we, we mentioned Patagonia a few times, but I love Patagonia. Not only do I love their, um, you know, love wearing their clothing and, and you know, and, and buying from them. I just also believe in what they do. You know, they are taking a stand so at such a high level to impact our environment, to create sustainable change. And, and so I absolutely want to support brands that, that stand for something that, that care about human beings and care about how we're all connected. Um, and especially around, the environment and climate action and sustainability. So for me, I, I think that that's something that I as an individual can control. Um, and I, I certainly support brands that that have that same ideology and belief system. And Will, what do you think? No, I think um, I'm 100% on the same page as, as Alex. I think if I 
look back at recent experiences and if I compare like maybe one brand that's more sustainable and one brand that's not as much as sustainable, this normally tends to be a premium. And I mm. always find myself willing to pay that premium right. for a more ethical, sustainable brand. I think one, it's about the knowledge on that brand and, and how they're getting their message out there. But also, as Alex has said, does it coincide with your own moral fiber? And if so, then that sort of green premium per se, it's, you're more willing to, to, to offer that up. And George, are you, are you on the lookout for sustainable brands? Yeah, when I when I can, for sure. Um, something that I think is interesting is having that legroom to to make that choice because a lot of people don't have that option, right? Um, you would like to invest in the more ethical brand, but when you are buying from a brand that doesn't cut corners to help its bottom line, it's going to be more expensive. It's yeah. just how it's going to work. And a lot of times, you know, if you're on a strict budget, which if uh, a lot of people are, uh, yeah. you know, like for example, when I go to the grocery store, I used to work at Trader Joe's and when I would buy eggs, I could buy a dozen eggs for 99 cents or I could buy the free range organic eggs for $3.29. And that's mm-hmm. a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, $3.29 is not a lot of money, but a 300% increase is significant. Yeah. So yeah, when I can, for sure. Um, when I was in high school, this pair of slippers um, Tom's, do you guys remember Tom's? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, they have this thing where, which a lot of sock companies, underwear companies, stuff like this will do this where they say you buy one pair of Tom's or one pair of whatever, and we'll donate a pair of, um, something to somebody in need. So yeah, that's definitely if there's, you know, you're comparing two products and one product says they'll do that. Yeah. That's, that's, that'll sell it to me right away. However, if yeah. that product is $250, then no. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So there, it, it comes at a price um, right. a lot of times. I got, I'd very much like to contribute to that because, you know, who wouldn't? Who would be like, no, I'm, I would rather that person not have a pair of shoes, right? You'd have yeah. to be pretty devious. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, when I can, of course. Yeah. I think I, if I, sorry, if I could just add on George's point, you were mentioning something about the grocery store and it just, it jogged back a memory of when I was younger. Um, and this is maybe why... I would say I have a sense of like more of a positive moral fiber or whatnot. But I remember when I was younger, me, my mum would take me and my little sister to sort of uh, like farm stores where you can get organic produce and like organic eggs or like you buy from local farmers. And but there's an there's an effort to that. You know, it's it's not down the road at, at, at the supermarket. You have to sort of maybe go into the countryside and then there's still that premium there. So it's really up for it there are options but again to george's point you know there's you don't always have that availability not everyone has that option and it's not necessarily just about okay the money aspect of it but it's also i think about the consciousness of your actions mm-hmm. um and just the the education yeah. about knowing sort of the negative consequences of normal sort of retail chains and the whole the whole capitalism etc because not a lot of people think about it, you know, like the where your money goes. It's just everyday life, yeah. if that makes sense. It's a luxury, right? I yeah. mean, we have 
there is such a luxury to have choice um, and to go for a product that might support your own value system, but might be at a higher price, right? And so that's why I think it's even more important that these companies, you know, make a stand, take a stand, have a voice, and that hopefully will change our policies at the highest level that then impact all of society. So we are all coming from a, pl- a privileged place. You know, we all have an opportunity to, to make that choice, but so many Americans do not. And so, you know, I don't want to lose sight of that in this conversation here, but I do think that that's, that's even more reason why companies can take a stand um, and have this really sort of embedded in our, our political framework, right? And to help change policies at the highest level so that we can have access for all, so that we can have equity in purchasing power. Um, and, you know, I, I just think that's important to mention as well. Yeah, no, it's a great point. Um, you know, it's interesting in one of a, a previous podcast, um, someone brought up Amazon and, you know, we all buy from Amazon. <laughs> we don't think that they have pr- particular social or political stances. You know, it's kind of interesting that they're, you know, that they, they seem to be kind of so bland on all of these things. And, um, I thought it was interest, an interesting point that, you know, here's this kind of um, retailer that has reach worldwide. You know, I mean, if anyone has a global <laughs> impact, uh, potential global impact, it's a company like um, like Amazon. And yet, um, you know, they're kind of uh, not really doing much on this issue. Do you, do you guys have any any thoughts on that? Uh, I would say that just Amazon is the prime example of protecting your bottom line. That's all that Jeff Bezos cares about. And then the other thing is what you spoke to is the fact that how ubiquitous Amazon is. If you do disenfranchise half or a third even, that's a significant chunk of change right there. Uh, I think think they're playing it safe. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, Mm. They might say that, you know, they might promote some bamboo toothbrush something a little more than they do an Oral-B <laughs> just for a week or so. But um, for the most part, they're not going to take a significant stance. They're trying to stay out of headlines. Yeah. Because th- why would you mess up what you got going? That's that's the most profitable company like ever. And that, that did come up in another conversation where the person was talking about CEOs and how they are worried about alienating potentially customers, but also even people that you know, in, in their workforce, you know, if they have people that are working in red states or, you know, aligned with a conservative party or something, and they want to come out with a, a more progressive stance, they don't want to, those employees to feel like they don't belong there. But it does feel like increasingly society isn't going to allow that quite as much. Like there, there is a consistent pressure um, for companies to, and it doesn't have to be everything to everyone, you know, you just have to find a few things that are really resonant with the values of the company, with the values of the people who work there, um, all of the stakeholders to understand, okay, this makes sense for us to engage. Here's some areas that, you know, we believe in strongly and we feel like we want to, we want to speak out about. And so actually I'd like to bring that to our next point and and ask you about your employment decisions because um will you mentioned you're you're sort of starting out in one of your first jobs alex you've got a great job with dell george you're going to be in the job market pretty soon um <laughs> so you know um we think right now that um it's a strong job market and that there's a lot of choice out there and that 
particularly people of your generation, are looking to find places where it's not just about collecting a paycheck, but it's about a sense of purpose and feeling like you're working towards something greater than just profit um, when you go to work every day. So I'd really be interested to hear from your own perspectives, but you know, even those of your, your friends, you know, how are they making these considerations? I thought the way I tried to make decisions is try to gather as much data and information as possible on on my first initial perception. Let's say if we're talking about employment, my first initial perception of a company and then experience it, right? So what drew me to, to BlackRock, let's say, was because I set up a lot of networking sessions and like coffee catch-ups with people with, whilst I was still at university. And I was really trying to ascertain you know, is this, or is this a company who has values that I can resonate with, but also can I see myself here for the long term, right? And so what sort of drives me at this point of time, I would say is working alongside people, but not just, just for a bottom line, but also just, you know, a real community sense, not as much ego involved, I would hope. I wanted to work with people who I could, I felt I could be myself around, but also just, just genuinely nice people. And I wanted, I wanted that, but with finance and maybe back in the day, those two weren't as correlated as much, but <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I wanted to work in an institution in a place like this. And so when I went around and did my catch-ups and even during the interview process, this is something I, I felt that the firm really lived up to, you know, that we have this one black rock ethos. Yeah. I, I tested it out and I did some work experiences there. Um, and when I thought that from all this information that I gathered that really confirmed my initial belief or that initial perception I had, then I was like, I'll, I'll throw myself at it. So I, do, I say, I would say from my perspective, it plays a big part, but I would also say when I was applying to jobs alongside my peers at university, not, not everyone was doing the same thing. Everyone, I had, I had one view on how I wanted to do things, but I know a lot of people out there shared this view but also there was still a lot of people who you know they're just doing it to get a job out of university they're doing it because they want the high pay they're doing it for the the status or, or whatever and that i think that's still going to exist i'm not really sure how long that will exist for and hopefully you know we can change that in the next few years but yeah it's still prevalent i would say well, it's interesting that um, Larry Fink, who's, I, I guess, your big boss there, um, has spoken a lot about the importance of purpose for companies and how that's really what's going to be driving the future and, and seems to be driving a lot of um, their your investments and, and how they see, you know, the future. So um, it's quite interesting. Um and but I, I think you also brought up a really good point about people, right? And and it's not just it's not just about what we're doing every day, but it's about who we're spending time with. And we do want to make sure that those are the kind of people that you know share your values and and um, care about the same things and are just good people, right? And <laughs> will care about you in the long run. For me, um, I think mental health is quite important, and so I'm always looking for a place where they've made uh they acknowledge it mm. and they associate themselves with it in a positive way and they're doing something about it so i read up and I, when i was speaking to these people i always sort of ask questions around this area mm. um and you know they, they it turns out they do 
in terms of like they have these these good people and etc but they also have sort of charities they do activities just outside of work that contribute to th- things such as mental health so mm. i don't know i wanted to work in a place where it wasn't just all about money yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> despite being at finances despite being in finance. the first thing yeah. I, I think of when, I, when i hear black rock is dollar bills <laughs> <laughs> but not no, mental it's, health it's, necessarily yeah, it's, <laughs> but, it's good to hear that that's not the case yeah um uh george what about you uh i don't know if you want to talk about your experience at trader joe's i'll just add that everyone is here as a as a person not as a representative of their their company or their organization and are just speaking on on their own uh, personal, not not on behalf of any company. So we'll. we'll oh, I don't work for them anymore. I can talk. <laughs> we'll, we'll give that disclaimer <laughs> for all of you. <laughs> no, it's bad. I don't really um, have anything bad to say about them. Um, <laughs> it wasn't why I looked for a job there, but it uh, definitely didn't hurt that a they treated they have a reputation Trader Joe's for treating their employees with just general respect, um, whether that be about the you know. Uh, how much they pay them, their working wage. Uh, mm. I started at mm, like fifteen fifty an hour I think, in 2019. So not bad. Yeah, um, pretty good wage for grocery US. work. Yeah. And then I got a $2 per hour bump during the pandemic. Um, so I made, you know, $17, $18 cause they give, and then they give you a opportunity for a 60 cent raise or 55 cent raise per hour um, every six months. Mm. Uh, if you, you know, meet all requirements. And so there were people that I worked with who did the exact same job that I did. They weren't managers. And at Trader Joe's, you're just a crew member. There's no, you don't work cashier exclusively, right? You work the cashier, you also stock in the back, you switch your position every hour. There were people who did that same job that I did making, I think you get capped at like $30 an hour, 32, which is pretty awesome for putting beans on shelf. Um, (laughs) And you had a cool shirt too, right? The cool shirt. Well, the managers get the Hawaiian shirt, but the t-shirts aren't bad. There are. But um, but then there's some things that about the ethical consumption that they advertise to try to, um, you know, show that. And there's one thing that I'm thinking of specifically to show their customers um, that they are an ethical brand, right? We had this billboard at the front that um, we would change every year about how much we donated to um, food banks. It would say like, we donated to $798,000 of worth of food to local food banks. And sure, that's nice, but I don't think they would have done it. I don't think they would have gone out of their way if it wasn't set up to be a government write-off, right? Uh. They get um, a tax break for doing that. Um, so it's all well and good. I'm not saying they shouldn't have done it or shouldn't have advertised it. I'm just saying you just got to think about it a little bit. Um, well, yeah. I mean, we're talking about business here, right? So I yeah, think if, sure. if, yeah. um, if business doesn't, if the business side isn't working, then, you know, you can have all the best intentions in the world and it doesn't matter. <laughs> right, right. Which is why I'm saying, like, I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. I'm just, uh, they're not strictly being benevolent, right? But as far as where I stand on it now, as I'm starting to look at uh, post-graduation, as I have a global communications degree, or I will have, uh, which is basically media studies, it really lines up with marketing and advertising, which I find to be pretty problematic ethically often, because it's essentially how do we put up the smoke and mirrors necessary to convince somebody to buy this product, right? 
often a product that they don't need, right? If I'm going to participate in, and I don't have specific examples, but if I want to participate in something like marketing or advertising, I would love to not wake up every day and know that my task is to sell somebody who doesn't have the money a product that they don't need. I would love to sell somebody. <laughs> I would love to advertise ethically. And what I mean by that is, is work for a company that, that targets their ads to people that need this product and have the money to buy it that will improve their life, which I think is so often not the case. Mm. Um, you know, if you think about like the new iPhone that comes out, for example, you don't need that but they have the most brilliant marketers around. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to find some sort of intersection of ethical marketing. It would be it would be nice, but I'm not sure it, it fully exists. Well, there's room there. <laughs> there's room. <Yeah. laughs> um, and Alex, maybe you can talk to us a little bit. You're you're actually kind of working in this field. Yeah, absolutely. Um so so I believe, George, I actually believe there is there is a lot going on in terms of, yeah, in terms of ESG marketing, because, you know, I do it in my day to day at Dell Technologies. And I, I really believe that it's, I mean, again, it's, it's one of the reasons why I joined Dell. Um, I think everything that we do at Dell really is trying to drive human progress. And so um, I'm not sure if, if any of you are familiar with the Dell story, but really almost 40 years ago, um, you know, we, since day one, it's been in Dell's DNA. Um, and it's really one of the reasons I joined Dell, because I do think that we're trying to use technology to positively impact not only people, but global communities and the planet. And I really believe that we do that at Dell. Um, you know, we have a very robust ESG framework. Um, it's established in our corporate function and it's working across the entire company. Um, it's something that I know, you know, Michael, Michael speaks a lot about um, and cares very deeply about. It's something that I care deeply about. And so just knowing that there really is a role and a function around ESG um, within the company and, and a place for someone like me um, really, really is a, is a beautiful thing. And I, and I do think that, you know, everything that we're doing is, is sort of a, it's a guided approach. And so not only do we have our, you know, our, our typical ESG report that we launch every single year, um, but it's really, it's across all parts of the business from product sustainability to, uh, to again, what we're doing for, for hiring and recruitment, creating that kind of, um, that kind of inclusion and, and cultural um, focus on, on diversity, you know, that really is there in the day-to-day. -day. Um, I work fully remote and um, being able to work remotely and being able to um, to be to be exposed to, to diversity across my team, but also diversity of skill set, um, just really makes me feel proud to work at Dell. Um, and I can talk more about that, Siri, if you, if you want me to. But I do think it's especially in terms of the marketing and what we do um, in terms of our robust plan that we set out um, every single year. We are committed to not only you know not only focusing on ESG and and that framework, but we're also committed to evolving with it and evolving, um, you know, evolving through through everything that's going on in the world. Um, 
And one thing in particular that I find fascinating about the work we do is really around advancing sustainability. So every everything that we do around the circular economy um, and just making sure that climate action, one, is real, um, but also that we, you know, that we are are really having that guided approach and process for setting goals and, and reporting against um, what that means for, for us as a company. So I feel like it's it's in everything that I do at Dell and it's, it's just part of the reasons that, that made me want to work there and, and want to stay there. Yeah, I think, you know, we're looking, we're talking about employee recruitment and retention as being a key driver for political engagement and social impact and you have obviously all of you have have choices you know in in choosing it sounds like will you went through quite a thoughtful approach to um your employment search and and it's great to see um young people taking a very thoughtful approach and um considering options and looking for a place that they're going to want to stay because also you know people don't stay at jobs as long as they used to. And, you know, training and retention is a, is a huge cost to a lot of companies. And I think if they want to get the kind of talent that they need and to get those people to stay to help really build a, a company, um, there needs to be something more there they, and, and they need to feel a part of it. And it's a really tricky thing for employers. Um, so I think that, um, you know, George, you were talking about ESG and social impact being a sort of marketing thing, but a lot of it is also to give purpose to the people in their own mm -hmm. jobs. And uh, in a previous pod podcast, we spoke with um, uh, Sydney Price, who used to work at Kate Spade, and she said that the program that they set up working with women in Rwanda was actually something that in the end, everyone at the business really took pride in and felt like they had contributed in some way to this project and to making these women, helping these women to become sustainable by themselves, helping them to set up their own business. And that gave everyone, even their whole supply chain, you know, a sense of purpose. And, and, and you know, we're, I think we spend so much time at work and work, you know, work is, is a big part of our lives that it needs to mean something, to, right? It has to have some, some meaning for us. Are there any topics that you as young people feel a company should not engage in. So, you know, there's a lot of things that are coming up these days. Um, so it's not just about things about sustainability, but there are some really serious issues that are being dealt with in the U.S., everything from killing of George Floyd to um, the January 6th um, attack. There's issues about refugees coming up in the U.K., and, um, you know, there's some, some interesting debates going on there. Are there a set of topics that you think really a business has no place going in this? Or if they can do it well and if they can do it thoughtfully and if they can know what they're talking about, is it okay for a company to jump in on any issue from race relations to, um, you know, to refugees? So I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys think about that. For me, a company's main priorities it's, are its employees and so in this way, I don't think there are anything that should be off limits for a company um, if there are links to, if the company's employees have links to those topics. I feel that when you're working for, so, uh, in a, when you're working for a company, you want to have, you know, you want to feel important. You want to have that identity as well. And I think that if you omit some 
controversies or if you don't have your stance on some topics, then I think you're risking um, some employees having feelings of disassociation or like lack, mm. and then lack of motivation. And I'm not just saying this from like, okay, productivity, bottom line standpoint. I think it's more about community and looking after one another. I think that's that's just what I have on top of my mind. <laughs> yeah, there there is a sense of people wanting to bring their whole selves to work, right? They don't want to leave at home their feelings about, you know, drag shows or, you know, things that you wouldn't necessarily be talking about, but, you know, the voting rights or things like that that maybe you wouldn't talk about. But now um, there is a sense that people do want to to be who they are to the fullest extent at work as well as anywhere else. Um, we're hearing a lot of that, particularly in the U.S. I feel like the U.S. is always a, a bit at the forefront of this. But um, Alex, what do you think? Yeah, I Any one topics. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um, well, I think this question is fascinating. I really do. I think it's a question that I, I truthfully, I asked you know my family, my friends. You know, what are some some what are some topics or issues that should be off limits? And, and truthfully, I have a very strong opinion that I think responsible business is, again, like I said, more than just operations and the people and policies um, matter and, and people matter. And that those are your employees. So, you know, to make long-term sustainable change or societal change in, in this case, I do think that a company should have a voice. And I do think that there is a moral um, obligation of a company. I think there needs to be thoughtfulness in their approach and an authenticity to their approach too, right? Sure. You know, I think that that matters as almost as much as, as taking that stand, right? You know, it, they have to have an authentic voice, um, and an opportunity to speak on a specific topic or an issue. But um, truthfully, you know, I think I don't know if I see any topics that are off limits mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I, I struggled with this when I was having this conversation with some of my friends because um, some of them felt like, you know, when we think about party lines and we think about politics today, it is so divisive. And there really is such a, a, a device and there is such a, a divisive nature to our, our political arena today and, and it is polarizing. Um, but and they had and some of my friends, you know, all different backgrounds had had different feelings on this. You know, they felt like, why is a business, you know, having having an opportunity to uh, to weigh in on abortion rights, for instance, or to yeah. weigh in on, um, you know, on, on the the refugee situation here in our country and abroad. Um, but I feel very differently. I think that as an employee, as someone that is part of the working world, I want brands and companies to use their voice and their scale and their reach uh, to make a difference. And I think yeah. that there's there's a lot of room for improvement there. Yeah. Um, there's there's a long way to go, but I, I feel very strongly that we won't get to a place where you know human progress matters if, if we don't start having companies stand for something. I really agree with that. And I think the reason that people are more and more looking to companies for this is because there's a vacuum of leadership, right? There, right. We're right. seeing our governments are not functioning well. 
institutions like the UN or you know others are are bogged down in bureaucracy whereas a company you know they can act quickly they can mm-hmm. you know if especially if it's a privately held company they can make a decision tomorrow to give you know x percent of profits somewhere or to put up a you know advertising campaign around something and 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 they have the scale and reach right absolutely. that that governments some governments don't have, right? Yeah. And and individuals don't have. So, uh, you know, when we're talking about what's off limits, I I had to give this question a lot of thought because it is <laughs> it is it it's a it's a question that um, I don't think many of my friends would agree with my answer mm-hmm. on. You know, I, I think it's a question that I struggle with. You know, feeling so passionate that that companies should have a voice and should take a stand. Yeah. Um, but again, Siri, I'm I'm glad you're like minded <laughs> and care about you know care as well, and and also see yeah. the real value, the real business value here. Well, you know, the point of the podcast is to make everyone a corporate activist. So <laughs> that's I think you guys are doing a great job in uh, in uh, getting us there. Um, it's been a really great conversation. What I'd like to do is just kind of wrap it up with a few ending questions. So two questions that I want to ask all of you. And the first one is um, to sort of end on a, on a lighter note, because we have been talking about some, some serious subjects. Um, is there something that's made you laugh this week? <laughs> I am, I'm an Arsenal fan, soccer um, supporter. <laughs> and uh, Manchester United, we're doing pretty well for since the World Cup. And uh at the beginning of this week, they lost 7-0 to Liverpool, which is their <laughs> biggest defeat in Premier League history. And yeah, that made me laugh quite a lot. That was pretty good fun. <laughs> okay. Will, what about you? Um, I wouldn't say it's anything specific, but I just have, I try and surround myself with people just like silly people sometimes. It's a, a good a good relief from uh, a days of work. And when I think of this question, I just think of all the things that they, they, they do daily to just do like make me love they're just just themselves make me love and i'm not trying to say this in a in a, in a rude way I'm trying to say that they're idiots or anything but they're just <laughs> just good people you know makes all the difference um alex uh, looks good to you anything that's made you laugh yeah week? sure i i mean i love to laugh you know all the time i i try to find joy in my life um with the people i surround myself with but in particular i just love getting the videos from my sister of my nephew leo um <laughs> He brings so much joy to our whole family. And recently, this week, he's just like pretending like he drinks coffee. He's not even two years old, but, you know, he's so demanding, like, where's my coffee this morning? Um, but I just, I, I really, everything he does, the way he sees the world um, and how he, how he's discovering like his, himself and dance moves and, you know, his favorite song of the week is uh, Raining Tacos. It just makes me laugh all the time because he is such a bright light in, in our family and, and to so many. Nice. Nice. Um, All right. Now it's time for the shout out. So I like to give my guests a chance to give a shout out to a brand or company that you use and that you think is doing a particularly good job in the sort of ethical social space. So um, uh, Alex, we'll go back to you. Any what's your shout out? Hamdi Yulukaya, um, founder of of Chobani. Um, I am in such awe of his dedication, his work ethic, um, and his his 
incredible story and support for refugee communities. Um, I think, you know, I read a stat the other day that about almost 30% of employees are immigrants or refugees. Um, And he, he has just such a strong focus on, on what matters to, um, to him, but also to his company. And, you know, one, one quote I'll leave you all with is, he mentioned that once a refugee gets a job, that's the moment they stop being a refugee. And mm-hmm. I really believe that wholeheartedly. Um, I, I think you know this, Siri, but um, my parents have started a, a nonprofit as well, um, working in Afghanistan called Shared Humanity USA. Um, and we work specifically in Afghanistan. Um, you know, we first started, when we first started, we were working in Greece, really supporting the refugee uh, communities that lived in Lesbos. Um, now we've sort of moved in, and work in Afghanistan, um, in, in Kandahar, and just being, having, having um, my own family have that story of, yeah. of being refugees. I think it's really personal to who I am and um, the belief system that I have. But just knowing that he's doing so much from a hiring perspective to bring refugees and immigrants to the table to make meaningful wages um, and to to support the culture of Chobani uh, means a lot to me. Um, And also I would say even his work, you know, setting up the Tent Foundation, right? Um, That's really getting businesses all across, you know, all across the um, the spectrum to to get a seat at the table and to help refugee communities uh, here in the U.S. and abroad. And so um, I think that that work is is tremendous, and and I think that what he's been able to accomplish is is pretty significant yeah. and impressive. And the yogurt is excellent as well. Yes, and I love <laughs> the yogurt exactly. I support him full, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah, perfect. Um, Will, what about you? What's your shout out? Um, I'm quite a big runner, so I remember a couple of years ago I was looking for some new running shoes, and I it was uh, around the whole thing with Nike and. Colin K. K. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Kaepernick. We say Nike, Kaepernick. but you can say Nike. <laughs> uh, yeah, Kaepernick. Kaepernick. Yeah, exactly. So, and just uh, everything around racism, police brutality, it's just, uh, it just kind of resonated with a lot of themes in, in today's society. And it was like, it sort of pushed me to, you know, maybe just go into the, a, a Nike store. <laughs> and uh, yeah. No, good one. And George, what about you? Um, I had bought these before I had seen their specific marketing toward, um, the CSR, ESG, whatever, um, acronym you'd want to use. Um, but there's this company called Bombas, uh, and they make, Mm -hmm. uh, socks, slippers, underwear, and shirts. Uh, and I only have their slippers. They're like these little, um, they're basically like padded socks. They've got like a semi-structure to them. And they're super comfy. And I love when I get home to just put on sweatpants and a hoodie mm-hmm. and my slippers. Um, <laughs> but I recently found out that they uh, they do a lot of charity work. and yeah. uh, But also they do that uh, promotion where when you buy one of their products, they donate one of their products um, to somebody who needs them. And I just uh, it just makes it a little warmer to put those slippers on. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And they, you know, they were actually huh. created with that in mind. So the oh, founder, yeah, the founder um, was doing some research and understood that actually one of the things that's most requested in homeless shelters are socks. 
because mm. you can't donate socks um, as a as a used item. Right, right, right. And so the company was founded on that idea that we would make one and give one away for everything that mm-hmm. they they produce. I love and, that. Yeah. Yeah. So that just yeah. it brightened my day a little bit when I learned that and it sticks with me. Awesome. Thank you so much to uh, the Gen Z and millennial generation. And I think we can feel encouraged that the future is bright, (laughs) brighter. (laughs) All right. Thanks, you guys. Take care. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on the Corporate Activist Podcast. Please do subscribe. You can also find us on Twitter and on Instagram at the Corporate Activist Podcast. And we'll hope you'll come back for future episodes. I'm your host, Siri Kalsa. Ciao for now.